And the 2019 season all comes down to this for two points. The Raiders' try is blocked by Shelby Harris, silencing the Raiders' faithful on club level. And that's the image that will I will be left with as we leave the Broncos in 2019. <laughs> what a messy, glorious way to end the Broncos' season and send the Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas. You know the, the real consequence of that, though? The Broncos ended up with the second seed in the West, so they're going to have to play the second schedule, which means they're going to have to play Tennessee again. Oh, after. yeah. Yeah, so that was unfortunate. Definitely the Broncos, I think, are the worst second seed in any of the football divisions. But, hey, you know, the Patriots have – and they also lost some draft uh, clout. But the Patriots haven't had a top ten pick in – over a decade, and yeah. they still are a good team. So. Well, and the Broncos have a first, a second, three thirds, and a fourth, and two fourths. Two fourths. So that's a good start. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, well, well, let's introduce yes. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek. And I'm Quinn. And happy New Year to you, as you're probably listening after the clock strikes midnight. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. We're recording still in 2019. Uh, apprehensive about what's to come in 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, the existential dread has been huge for you, boy. Um, Before we get into what's going to be a two-week, seven-minute recap, uh, best moments of the 2010s decade for Denver sports, really there was only one answer for what the best moment was. Yeah, I mean, it's helpful when you only have one championship in 10 years. Um, Super Bowl 50, baby. Yes, the Broncos finally pulling it off, and Von Miller's MVP play, just great all around. Um, Storybook. I, we talked about it before, but if we're being honest, probably the second and third moment were also Broncos. I would say just the 2013 season when they beat the Patriots at home mm-hmm. and then signing Peyton Manning. You could yeah. probably do like a top five list, and then yeah, I mean Tebow still gets his credit for yeah the slant across the middle for eighty yards. So it has really fed into the media narrative that the Broncos rule the town because all of the top moments of the decade, Broncos. Yeah, but number two, if we're not going to just go the Broncos route, the Rockies wild card game, Tony yeah. Walters. Yeah, yeah, uh, th- the game itself was long drawn out and wasn't super exciting like the wild card game that they lost the season before was a more exciting game yeah but <laughs> it's the only playoff win that the Rockies got um and it, it it summed up like the grid of that team that was a fun team to watch over the course of that season um and although they faltered uh, against Milwaukee um that's still the number two, because anytime the Rockies do marginally well, it's a, a celebration for the whole city. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anyone thought that it was going to go this poorly for the decade. At the beginning, we just had a lot of a lot of seasons where it was like, they might be good, and we yeah. got one playoff win out of it. Well, the fact that Troy Tulowitzki retired as a Yankee <laughs> um, really just tells you you never know what to expect. But this is a celebration, so top moment – um, the Rockies' wild card defeat of the Chicago Cubs was a glorious time. And then I think we got we got a few at three, <laughs> tied for third. Um, I've got two. All right, hit them. The Avs that game 
where Kale McCarr's first game in the playoffs, Calgary, when they got three goals in the first period and the third was Kale McCarr. That was the highest I felt in a single moment of <laughs> any sporting event maybe in my life where I was just like, I don't think this is real anymore. Um, so that was that was pretty great. Um, mine uh, for the Nuggets, there's like, been a lot of consequential things, but I'm just like one particular play was against the Los Angeles Lakers, the 2012-13 glorious season. Andre Iguodala's threaded alley-oop pass to Kenneth Fareed right over Dwight Howard's head. Um, it really was like, oh, we have slayed a giant moment. Um, and I think that was like almost the last time the Lakers were good at that point. Too. Yeah. So um, that was a culmination of so many years of misery and feeling like we came out of it. It certainly did not last, but in that moment, it was. Speaking of which, another where we were at the top of a rise before another fall, CU in their game against Utah. We were at that game. Students yeah. rushed the field. We didn't, but we were there in spirit <laughs> um, on the field. And that was, you know, they won the Pac-12 South. Yeah. Their only bowl season of the 2010 decade, uh, they lost the bowl and the Pac-12 championship game and basically every game since then. Um, yeah. It was it was fun. It was nice to have the rise and then the fall. It was just uh, too perfect. But yeah, it's been short spurts, but it's made us more clear, level-headed um, analysts of all of the games. Yes. But it birthed the Denverse podcast as we know it. So, And, uh, you know, we feel better about things there. Yeah. We basically <laughs> feel pretty good about everybody except for the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and the Rockies will not be mentioned in this, but we are going to do a real seven-minute recap. We're going to start set a timer. We've got two weeks to cover. We're going back to December 19th. Yes, sir. So... Here we go, the seven-minute recap. And back on December 19th, the Avs gave up three late third-period goals, like in the last three minutes of the game, to the Hurricanes, lost 3-1. to one. Damn. Sign of things to come. The Nuggets on the 20th beat the Timberwolves. They should have beat the Timberwolves. Yeah. That was about uh, – I didn't have any more notes about that. It was an expected result, which is nice. Uh, the Avs uh, – also blew a third-period lead to the Blackhawks in a really painful defeat because they'd been dominating the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze were put back together and just dominated the Avs. But CU went in and played number 13 Dayton in Chicago and won on a last-second shot in overtime by Deshaun Schwartz. A big win for the Buffs, putting them back in the NCAA tournament. They will play Oregon, the number four team in the country, on Thursday night in Folsom. At, not at Folsom, but at, in Boulder. Yeah, um, Coors Vincent. <laughs> on the 22nd, the Nuggets beat the Lakers. Huge game from Beasley. His best game of the year. Yeah, totally. Um, Auditioning for yes. LeBron. <laughs> uh, LeBron didn't play, and Anthony Davis was hurt, but still very dominant by the Nuggets. I was listening. I was in Mexico listening to a Lakers thread of that game, and they were just in disbelief. They were like, Beasley doesn't even play every game. What's happening? That's the magic of the Nuggets bench. The Broncos beat the Lions 27-17 to in what I think was probably Drew Locke's best game of the stretch. Uh, I was pretty impressed with him. 25 for 33, uh, one touchdown. He definitely got more touchdowns earlier in it, but just looked very poised in that game. On 
last Monday, the Nuggets came from down nine with five minutes left to beat the Phoenix Suns, which was not a good team, but a good game. Um, Murray ended up with the game tire and the game winner. Mm-hmm. One of his first best clutch performances. And the real MVP of the game was Michael Malone who at the last second decided to sub in Jeremy Grant to guard Booker and block the last second game tie, or I guess it was game winner. Yeah. Really nice job by Malone. And the Avs, with their only win of the stretch, beat Vegas. Uh, It looked like Pavel Francos was going to be the number one goalie, uh, but he wasn't, as we'll see. On the 24th, Christmas Eve, the contract was awarded to Michael Malone to be extended. I didn't know he was in need of an extension right then. Yeah, because we had just extended him last year, but cool. Locked up. And, of course, then the Nuggets went into Christmas and partied a little too hard. <laughs> Lost to New Orleans. Um, this is another petition to just cut all 830 games. And that was like an 850 game because the Lakers-Clippers game ran long. Was... I was in Cancun, so it started – at like 11. Oh, wow. I did not make it to the end of that game. I saw how things were going to turn out. Yeah. On the 27th, the Avs lost to the Wild 6-4. to four. They gave up three unanswered goals in the third period. They did have a lead before that, and Pavel Francos was not good. Really just played terrible. Probably his worst goaltending effort of the season. On the 28th, so we're getting into this week now. We're pretty close. <laughs> Saturday night, the Nuggets beat the Grizzlies 119-110. to Jokic with a 31-10-10 triple-double. Good good overall? Yeah, absolutely. And another game where it's like you hope he plays. The, the, hope the team plays as well as they should against lesser competition. And they did a good, great, great job. And in, as predictable as it could have been, the Avs lost to the Dallas Stars but made it to a shootout. Um, they did have a lead, blew it in the third period, but they killed off a penalty in overtime, a four on three. Um, so that was impressive, but they did lose in a shootout. Uh, Grubauer played in that. And then on Sunday, oh, I missed the Nuggets on Saturday, beat the Grizzlies. Oh, no, I said that. Uh-oh, getting confused. We got a lot of time, though. <laughs> uh, the Nuggets beat the Kings, 121-15. It was Michael Porter Jr.'s first career start, 19 points, six rebounds, eight of ten shooting. Oh, dude, he looks so good. And that marked the closest seats I've ever gotten uh, watching a Nuggets game. It was beautiful. First start for Michael Porter Jr. You'll remember the, that game. Oh, yeah, I'll tell my kids about it. It'll be <laughs> awesome. And the Broncos beat the Raiders 16-15. to um, The 16 being that Gruden went for two points at the end. The Broncos actually tried to blow the game. They had, uh, what's his name, the kicker. Uh, McManus lined up for a long field goal for no reason to give the Raiders the ball back. He was about five yards short. Oh, wow. And then that happened. Quinn had already left by that point. He'd, he, he I was thought the game was convinced. over. Yeah. I, I thought it, because other Broncos fans were leaving, I was like, oh, cool. It would have been if they hadn't done that and then gave him a chance. Uh, Philip Lindsay got 1,000 yards, lost 1,000 yards, and got him back. <laughs> so that was exciting. Okay, we're under two minutes here. Um. Big Broncos press conference on the 30th yesterday as we're recording this. Basically, what was said was Drew Locke's the guy for now. Not forever, but at least for now. They're going to bring Vaughn back. It's a team option. I think they might renegotiate, but they're going to bring him back. They want to keep both Lindsey, who is up for a contract, new contract, and Simmons. Harris and Wolf are the big question mark. Sounding like they want to keep Harris and Wolf is probably gone. Yeah. 
But the other big news was that the sale of the Broncos could happen. It was the first time that it was brought up. Joe Ellis brought it up. Um, he said that everyone is going to have to sign off on Brittany Bolin for this to work out. And since two of the sisters are currently in court to overturn the trust in general, that seems unlikely. Yeah. And we have a minute left. That was pretty good. It was um, great. The Avs play the Jets tonight on New Year's Eve, and the Nuggets play the Rockets. And that is our seven-minute recap. Truly. Well, six-minute, 30-second yeah. recap? Six, w- yeah, I mean, we still got time. I feel like you were very participatory. It was just me. Um. Well, you know, I'm just doing my commentary. <laughs> I have a lot of emotions swirling around it. But it's been, a, well, terrible for the Avs. But otherwise, Broncos, two wins. Nuggets. Nuggets. Fine, except for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Two wins for the Broncos. So it's easier to talk when there's complaints than <laughs> to be had. All right. That is our seven-minute recap. Broncos. They finished seven and nine. We should be rioting. Another losing season. But we're not. They started really poorly, and that kind of led to not having a lot of expectations. It was, they were 0-4. And, and so they were actually, like, to finish the season, they were 7 and five that that's pretty good and i think the other thing was like the broncos thought they were contenders and nobody else did and then clearly it was proven that they weren't contenders um and it feels like we can move on because it, flacco was always a stop gate measure like there was no way that flacco was going to be the quarterback in five years and there's a chance that drew lock could be the quarterback it's night and day difference that joe flacco looks cool with his beard but offered nothing else um, in terms of motivation on the team. He was and sort of like an unwilling participant in the Drew Locke thing. Like, he showed up a lot. Like, it would be like Drew Locke would be running down the sidelines. And, like, there was J- Joe Flacco. Yeah. Not wanting to engage with Drew Locke, but he was still there. Yeah. Um, which, I, I mean, Joe Flacco's had enough of a career that I don't think he was excited to come to Denver, but... He wanted to make some more money. And he wanted to be a starter. Yeah. But, I mean, he just – he had showed no passion towards it. And, like, Broncos fans, for all of our faults, we've just always been passionate. We have hyped up Case Keenum. We've hyped up Trevor Simeon. We've hyped up Rock Osweiler. No one hyped up Paxton Lynch. But um, that we were ready to pretend that Joe Flacco was going to, like, right the ship – and he just never showed it in any way, shape, or form. I think that that's the thing that with Drew Locke that is, I think, going to blind us if it turns out he's not good, is that he he appears that he wants to be the guy. Yeah. Like he, you know, coming from John Elway, the most confident quarterback anyone's ever seen, being the guy in Denver, you just have this expectation that quarterbacks are supposed to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. But most of them don't. No. And I'm... My one concern with Drew Locke is I think that we may be buying a little too much into, like, how confident he is, and we don't want him to be Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, I can't ever see him, like, brooding the way a Baker Mayfield can. <laughs> but, I mean, he went viral yesterday on off of him rapping Young Jeezy on the sideline. Um and like you just you want your quarterback to be fun. You want your team to be fun. Yeah. Um in an off year for Von Miller, like you need more personalities. Philip Lindsay is a great personality. Um 
Cortland Sutton, Sutton can be a good pr- – or Alexander Johnson, I guess, actually, has been yeah. um, one of the surprise. He was a camp dude who became our starting middle linebacker, and he has his uh, Velociraptor. Like, they yeah. actually and say his name, and he makes a tackle, and then the and Will PA. Parks has quite a lot of personality. Yeah. I think the good thing is – and, I mean, this, speaking about the defense, is when Fangio was able to put his guys in, like Johnson, like that was a Fangio guy, mm-hmm. Purcell – it was clear that they worked, and I think that that is one of the reasons to be positive going into next year is that Fangio is going to be in on a lot of the decision-making for the defensive side, who they pick, who they pick up in free agency, who they keep and who they don't keep. Yeah. And you feel confident about that in a way that, I mean, Wade Phillips, we felt confident about that, but it feels like Vic Fangio is that guy for the Broncos. Yeah, and to be the coach, the head coach, and have that confidence in your defense is – Really refreshing. I think we they had a terrible free agent class this year with Jawan James and Bryce Callahan, I think, making up like $80 million and playing collectively 30 snaps. Maybe. Yeah, something like that. But Kareem Jackson. Uh, once he was healthy because he wasn't he, most of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, he came with that energy and he plays like with that like in the trenches mentality. So I think there's a lot to look forward to if our two free agent signings can be even marginally healthy next year. That will be nice. Yeah, and as I said, having all those picks in the first few rounds mm-hmm. is just – that's they need more of that, especially because they're going to lose some of these veterans. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, another receiver. I think that Hamilton has shown that he can, like, be very good, mm-hmm. which was nice to see because it looked like they just had missed again. Um. But I think if they could have one more guy or yeah. a tight end, pick, take your pick. Either a tight end or another receiver, it would be very helpful. I mean, a slot receiver would be so coveted. Another tight end. I, it, since Julius Thomas, the tight ends have been absolutely whack. But this year, you saw flashes from Fant. Um, Hireman stayed healthy. Um, Fumagalli, Beck. Like, handful of guys that we're never going to talk about past this yeah, all deserved at least one mention in the podcast, which is more to be said than a lot of seasons in the past. So, yeah, I think I'm quietly optimistic. Like, I have hope that things are going to turn out well, but I don't. I think there are some people that are all in on next year, like next year, playoffs, Drew Locke, like all of that. And I'm not there yet. They need to make some smart moves in the offseason, but... I had no hope after last year, so yeah. we're moving in the right direction. Well, and it's also it's just helpful that the Chargers and Raiders especially don't look that great, and even the Chiefs look beatable, whereas last year it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to be almost AFC champions. Mm-hmm. Um, competition has, I think, mellowed a little bit, just giving the Broncos – that much more potential to succeed. And Elway, no one wants to fire him right now, which yeah, is weird because for the first half of the season, that's all anyone really wanted, at least to, to talk about it. But So Locke finishes the year, 64% completion percentage, 1,020 uh, yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. So he needs more of those, but that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. His quarterback rating, 89.7, so not amazing, but like it's okay. And he rushed for 72 yards, which is... 72 more yards than Flacco has. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> That's like collectively Flacco and Manning's entire time. <laughs> um, moving on, just 
we were talking about like doing a decade recap and there was really the Nuggets seemed like the team to really talk about here because they end the decade in basically the same place they started the decade, which if we take you back to 2010, right at January 2010, the Nuggets had the Western Con- like a couple inbound passes away from the from the NBA championship Western Conference Finals team. Mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony at the best he played. Like that was his peak. Chauncey was still seemed to be in his prime. Kenyon Martin was playing well. That was the most controlled J.R. Smith was. Like they had all the <laughs> yeah. pieces still. Nene was a contributor. This was when George Carl got his cancer diagnosis, went out, didn't coach for the rest of the year. Uh, Adrian Dantley coached yeah. the team. Things really went off the rails as soon as they made the playoffs. And within by the end of that, it was clear that Mello wanted to leave. Like, at the end of that series, Mello was basically saying, I'm gone. Yeah, and it was, I think, the first times even diehards were realizing that there may never be a better time to trade Mello. And so Mello wants to be traded. The next season is basically held hostage by Mello being traded. He gets traded. They get a ton of, like, they get more than anyone would have ever thought, and it looked like the new team is set up. They just really need a star. Yeah. At times, Ty Lawson was sort of that star. At times, Kenneth Fareed, at least with the contract, was that star. At times, Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, which really set up the next big chance was the Danilo Gallinari year, and then he went down against Dallas 2013? 2012-2013, which was devastating. Nuggets lose to the Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. Golden State, it's two years away from their championship, but it's their first series win. And they credit that win as them realizing that they could be great. I mean, I think, well, one Andre Iguodala saw it firsthand. It was yeah. Like, there was an unearthly power that came out of that series for Steph and Clay, especially with just like knockdown three shooting. And yeah, so the Nuggets, what was such supposed to be such a bright future, ended up being a footnote in the story of another dynasty's rise. And, I mean, too, really, because Masai Ujiri then leaves for Toronto where he'll win an NBA championship. Yeah, true. And Josh Kroenke thinks he's the smartest man in the building. Part of the smartest man in the building was that JaVale McGee needed to play a lot more. He was really a star in the making. And the guy to bring in to do that was Brian Shaw to coach, which ended in disaster. Which, I mean, I remember... The excitement of that. He was like a Lakers guy, then was assistant coach for the Pacers that would always give LeBron and the Heat fits. He made Roy Hibbert look like a defensive player of the year. So there was a lot of hope that, okay, the Nuggets have this amazing offense. If we can just make their defense potent, then there's no way we don't succeed incredibly. And I remember it was the turning point was the Nuggets won 10 games in a row. Early. Early. And then immediately lost 10 games right after that. And that was a moment it was like, you know, maybe we should tamper our expectations. And then a roster that was talented but greatly overachieved started to become exactly what they were, which was a bunch of middle-of-the-road dudes trying to be superstar by committee. And Ty Lawson completely fell off the map. It was in that first off season where he was smoking, talking about leaving the Nuggets, and did leave the Nuggets. 
and racking up a handful of DUIs in the process. Really, his career, too, at the time, because that's when I was really in the locker room, I can't remember which coach it was, but they said that Ty Lawson was the best point guard in the league. Like, that was the season before that, and it turned into nothing. Nothing at all. Um, And, I mean, there was a lot. I think it was a good, like, growing up moment for the Nuggets because I think Tim Connolly really, like, got the time to figure out what he was doing, but, like, definitely had a lot of misses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darrell Arthur being among the biggest where he was just giving him a bunch of money for no reason. Um, I think Josh Kroenke, you know, realized that he wanted to step aside a little more again. Like he really like made a splash. He did all the media tours. He was like, I'm as smart. I don't think he thought he was as smart as Ujiri and Carl, but that was sort of the air he was giving off. Yeah. Then you just really thought that kind of a trust the process situation. It's like, it's not any one individual. It's the organization as a whole. But then you look at it and realize, yeah, you actually you don't have all the answers within the organization, and you need those people to. Yeah, and so that happens. You know, Jokic is drafted as an afterthought. We have the Emmanuel Mudiay uh, hope, and then falling off. Get Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, and they sort of build up. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic as well. Yes, we have the Nurkic drama. Yeah. Who I loved his first year. He was just like the bully on the court. Oh, he was so great. I remember he blocked DeMarcus Cousins when DeMarcus Cousins was like one of the scariest players in the world. Yeah. And he looked right in the eye and he like shit talked him right back. It was, it was like, okay, so the Nuggets don't have the offense that they used to. The Shaw defense didn't work, but if we could just be like jerks, that would be cool. Like just having that edge. Yeah. That was really fun for the moment, but. Unfortunately, Balkan Ball did not work out, and the Nuggets had to make a choice between Nurkic and Jokic. Yeah, and so Jokic had a great – was it Olympics or Worlds? Uh, That was Olympics. Yeah, so Olympics 2016. Summer Olympics are coming up, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's one of our things to look forward to in 2020. Um, And then we were like, maybe this Jokic guy could be pretty good because we weren't really sure. He'd been like, okay. Then – Michael Malone was now the coach and just refused to start him forever, which is always my problem with Nuggets fans being like, that was the day, December 15th. The day should have been at least a month earlier because he was playing well that whole time. Yeah. Everyone except for Malone seemed to know that he should be the starter. Yeah, but to Malone's defense, he's done that with everyone so far. Um, Whether Murray or now Porter Jr., like, it's not just show that you can start. It's show that you're okay with not starting. Like, yeah. Really, like, forcing a team attitude out of people. But, yeah, the, the December 15th joke miss is now a running joke, not just because it was the day everything changed. But it now seems that, like, Jokic will not turn it on until after December 15th. Yeah, he's been great. Yeah. They should just plan for that in the future. They're going to be terrible in that tournament if they make that tournament work, the Thanksgiving tournament. Yeah, They will not be a competitor. Um, So then they try to get it together. They lose that game to Minnesota. Don't make the playoffs. Yeah, game 82. But then they, you know, were the number two seed. Quickly, like, yeah, last season, in the early days of the podcast, they went out on that original tear, 9-1, and and then immediately crashed back down to earth. 
But that old season, it was really winning the games you're supposed to, which yeah. I think for all fan bases feel like our team just can't win those games. But I think the Nuggets have a stronger track record of data saying that they play to their competition and just do not show up for those 3 o'clock in the afternoon Sunday games against the Kings. Yes, or Christmas games against the Pelicans, whatever you want to take. Yeah, but (laughs) that season, they just won so many of the games they were supposed to and surprised us several times with great wins against better competition. Yeah, and so, you know, made the playoffs, made it to Game 7 in the second round, and we're still feeling good about it, and at the end of the decade... They're one of the best teams in the West, which is exactly where they started. Yeah. Completely different makeup and reasons why, and I think more long-term prospects. But I think we thought that at the time. True. We, I mean, we kind of left out the whole, there was the lockout, and then there was JR and Kenyon going to China, and then, like, there was a lot. That team just fell apart so spectacularly. Yeah. Well, it was, like, from last decade it was the thuggets growing up and maturing yeah and then immediately falling apart uh, which like really when we we did our what ifs and uh, uh several episodes previous and carl getting cancer again was just i don't there's so few teams like that could weather that emotional storm yeah um but i mean this nuggets team now everyone is younger there's still so much growing to be done, whereas we had a, a mature in his prime mellow, but with an older Chauncey and uh, certainly not as deep a bench as we have now. So um, I think one great thing that we have to look forward to is the Nuggets having that personality. Like, they still don't have a Thuggets persona. And they don't need that one, but they need something. Yeah, well... I'm really hoping in 10 years we're not sitting here talking about how they're in the exact same place they were last time with just a complete dive for the whole decade. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, before we, we hang things up, I wanted to talk about the Avs for a couple minutes because it was a really rough December for the Avs. Um, you know, they were they were hurt for most of November, and then December came around and everyone started to get healthy. They didn't get Kale McCarr back until the last few games, but everyone else sort of came back. Um, early in the month, like the first week they were on a road trip and just kind of swept through the road trip, you know, finished it off, beat Toronto, Montreal and Boston and Boston decisively. Mm -hmm. And then since that game, they just haven't played that well. That was December 7th and we're at the end of the end of the month. Um, they had a week of home wins, beat Philadelphia and New Jersey. And the story out of all of those wins was goaltending really bailed us out. Like they just did not play good offense. And you know, it was really the goaltender was able to save those games. Um, and then we've talked about all these losses. They lost to the Blues 5-2, to two, which was just heartbreaker because there was the double minor, lost that one. And then they beat the Blackhawks and then have lost to Carolina, Blackhawks, Minnesota, and Dallas with a win over Vegas in there. And so it's like, what's going on with the Avs? Basically, since since the Taylor Hall trade, which they did not win, just just for everyone remembering this, he went to Phoenix. Does is there any word on like what the package was going to be? I'm not sure they ever got far enough and I'm not, not really, really sure why. It was clear that Arizona was the front runner and Arizona's in first place now in the uh Pacific Division since that happened. But 
the Avs offense has not looked good. And they're re- making a lot of bad defensive plays. So it's kind of all of the things that like good teams can't do. Mm. Um, so I really, I don't know exactly what needs to change. Like they've got to find more opportunities for McKinnon because he's really been shut down a little bit the last few games. And McKinnon is the hottest player. Like he goes through streaks, like he's hot and then he can't be stopped. And then he's stopped for a while, but it's really, it's really concerning just because it's been so long. Like you can take a few weeks, but you know, last year it was the six weeks of bad goaltending that just sunk them. And so January is really the month they need to turn things around. And luckily for them, they don't play that many games in January. Um, They've got the game tonight, obviously. And then they're home against St. Louis. They go on a road trip for three. And then the rest of the month, they only have four more games. They're all the 10th through the 20th. And then they have the rest of the month off because they have the all-star game and the bye week. So the hope is that maybe they could take some time, practice a little bit and come back strong for the rest of the season. I don't know. I think it's a little worrying what's gone on with them. Well, it's also worrying because it's almost split in terms of home and road losses in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not a real, I mean, part of it is the lines aren't really rolling, but mainly it's that they're making bad decisions. Like it's, it's much, they can still score goals. It's that on the defensive end, they're not playing sound fundamental hockey. Mm. And it really feels like the first time where Bednar is not exactly sure what to do. Um, So I, I don't know. New year, hopefully the abs come back. They've got the their first game of the new year is against the Blues. They have three home games against the Blues, and they're competing with them for the top spot in the Central, which is a big get because no matter what goes on in the Pacific, you get two first-round home games if you win your division. Mm-hmm. So that's really what they're playing for here. No, no, it's If we look at it just even from last year, there was a moment where the Avs looked dominant, but then, yeah, they had the six weeks and then – came back hot to get into the playoffs. So it's nice. Now it's more of a, all right, we know how good of a squad we are. We just need to execute better. Um, But that's hard when you don't know why you're not executing better. Yeah. It's a harder, just flip the switch, but everyone's healthy and they'll get back into the swing of things. How many do you, how many players do you think are going to be in the all-star game? So right now, McKinnon's the only one that got in, and Makar is in the last vote, which Landis Cog got in last year. But mm. really, Landis Cog and Ranton being hurt kind of hurt them a little bit. Totally. But Makar should have been in without the – even with the few games he missed. Like, he has 31 points in 29 games. There isn't – there aren't – I don't know how many defensemen they get, but there aren't that many good defensemen in the central. Yeah. So, well, that's it for 2019 – which was really the start of this podcast. Yeah. So it's been a wild one. It has, but I feel like we're getting into a rhythm. We'll have more in 2020. All right, y'all. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See ya.